InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. What do you do when healthcare regulations mean your child won't get the care they desperately need? InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco has the story of one mom's battle that changed federal regulations. Gina? Thanks, Chris. There is no cure for cystic fibrosis. It can lead to severe lung disease and death. These were the devastating facts for Janet Murnahan's daughter, Sarah, who desperately needed a lung transplant to live. Sarah was only 10 years old, but rules governing transplants said a child had to be at least 12 to receive adult lungs. Janet shares how she fought this in a new book, Saving Sarah, One Mother's Battle Against the Healthcare System to Save Her Daughter's Life. And she joins us now. Janet, let us start out with the time your daughter was dazed from death. Did you learn at that time that she was not eligible to receive adult lungs? Yes. It was really at the very end when she was transferred to intensive care, and we were told at the same time that she was weeks away. That's when I understood one of the major holdups was that she really couldn't access lungs from any donor 12 years and older because she was 10 and three quarters. And to be clear, in your daughter's case, adult lungs could be made to fit her body. So this was not a logistics issue, was it? No, her doctors, the surgeons, were very capable of resizing the lungs. They resized lungs on a regular basis for patients who were 13 and had access to the larger lungs. But because of Sarah's age, they didn't have access to the lungs. They could have successfully done it, and they so this, did successfully do it. So this was arbitrary? That's what we argued in court, and we were granted a restraining order against the federal government, you know, agreeing that our argument had a great basis, and then ultimately they changed the ruling because of Sarah. And so that's what you ask for specifically, that the rules be changed in your particular case? We asked for the rules to be changed in our particular case, and we asked that it be changed for other kids. Our argument was that a child's doctor should be determining what the best organ for a child is, not an arbitrary ruling based on their age. And I understand this was really a full-scale war, part of it, on multiple fronts, and I'm sure the parents out there listening caught up in red tape will be taking notes. First of all, give us a brief rundown of how you used social media. What was your ask? Well, initially, we really wanted to just apply pressure because, who knows, the board governing lung allocation could have made an exception. They make exceptions for other things when someone's lung allocation score doesn't match. And so initially, we went out there and told people our story to create sort of a pressure for them to listen to us because we had already gone through the medical channels of appealing the decision and it hadn't worked. So we wanted people to know and to get sort of public opinion behind us. That was our very first step. And we used, you know, social media. I had previously worked in television and public relations, and I had a lot of friends who jumped in and helped us, which was critical. And were your asks on social media for people to write letters and to whom? Yeah, we created a change.org petition, and we asked people to sign the petition, and the petition went to John Roberts, who was at the time the president of UNOS, the board governing lung allocation, and we, you know, appealed to Kathleen Sebelius as well, who was the health and human services secretary at the time, and she oversaw UNOS as her position and had the ultimate authority to suggest that they look at this ruling. And did you have to ask for money as well? No, we had health insurance. We didn't need money. We 
had all the doctors. We really just needed for them to say that her age was not going to be a barrier. There's a huge discrepancy. If you were under 12, you were twice as likely to die waiting for organs as you were if you were 12 and older. It's UNOS's own statistics, which is what we learned in those final days. And it's because there just aren't as many, it makes sense, pediatric donors. And so without as many pediatric donors, your chances of dying are much greater if you only have access to pediatric donors. And I think that when the rule was originally put in place, it wasn't put in place to harm children. It was actually initially to protect them and to try and make it so those organs went to children because there were so few of them. But as science advanced and they were able to resize organs, it had the opposite effect. But the red tape of government hadn't caught up with that. And so everything was just slow to change. And they had even had articles and studies where they realized there was a a discrepancy. Janet, how did you hold it together when you're so emotionally vulnerable at the very time you needed to be razor sharp to fight for your daughter? It was really awful. I really tried very hard to just focus on what was right in front of me at any given time. If what was in front of me at the moment was a medical decision for Sarah, then that's what I focused on. And if what was in front of me was being out in front of a camera to argue her position or preparing for a legal battle, I just took everything one minute at a time, one day at a time. And I surrounded myself with family and friends and people who worked really hard to support us. We're visiting with Janet Murnahan, author of Saving Sarah, One Mother's Battle Against the Healthcare System to Save Her Daughter's Life. Now, finally, your daughter did get a set of lungs. Did they do the trick? Actually, her very first transplant had what's called graft failure, where coming out of the surgery, the lungs immediately failed like in the first hour after surgery. Graft failure is typically, and later on pathology confirmed, something had happened prior to the removal of the organ that wasn't detected in initial screening. So she had graft failure initially and was immediately put on bypass, heart-lung bypass, very shortly after surgery. Then she waited, and three days later, she got transplanted again. And that second set of lungs are in place and doing well then? And how is she doing now? She's doing great now. She was almost 11 at the time. She's just turned 16. She's a high school student. She's active, typical kid who, you know, really does everything any of her peers do. She's done fabulous. Now, any of us listening to this may have to fight medical rules someday ourselves. So what is the single best piece of advice you can give? I think for us, the thing that really propelled me forward was hope. I know that seems sort of like a simple thing, but there were many times in the process where I had felt very hopeless. And when you have a family member dying and you feel very hopeless, it is very paralyzing, very hard to push forward. And in those moments where I felt, you know, even just a little bit of hope, I was able to push forward. And so I think that that is one of the biggest things. Who are your biggest allies other than family and friends? Her doctors were wonderfully supportive and fought every step of the way for her. The doctors at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and the nurses, they just never gave up on her. They never gave up on us. They always had an idea. They always had a path forward, even when things seemed like there really wasn't a path forward. Finally, I noticed that in Britain, a mother donated a kidney to her infant son. Do you know or do you have a sense that other countries' rules may be more flexible on children receiving adult organs? I don't know what other countries' rules are on receiving adult organs, but I would say that we looked at live donor transplant for lungs, and that's not something that was done in the U.S. That's not something we could find any 
hospital willing to let us do because that is something that we looked into. It's certainly been done before, but not currently being done by anybody at the time when we looked into it. I know kidneys are more flexible from a live donor standpoint. There have been a lot of changes since everything happened with Sarah that I think our situation propelled forward. So in addition to allowing kids now in her age group have the opportunity to list for lungs 12 and over, the other thing they've done since our situation and since we brought it to light is they've expanded the region that pediatric lungs can travel. So pediatric lungs can now travel much further than they were before, so a 1,000 miles. So that means more kids have more access to any pediatric organ that comes available before it would then go to an adult. Before it was about 500 miles, and then if nobody used that organ, that organ would go to the next adult on the list. So now the lungs travel a much bigger span. And that sounds like great news for everybody involved. Janet Murnahan, we appreciate your time. Good luck to you and your daughter, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.